I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> By the time the guy finished, amen, he got the girl's DMs or whatever or Instagram handle or something like that or whatever. And when everything was finished, he was not explaining to the other guy that, let me show you how this thing works. Amen? What happened was that someone has developed what? Skillfulness. They both have the same thing, right? They both have mouths. Amen? They both were in an awkward situation with this girl. But one person knew how to work in that situation, right? And was able to harvest something. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the harvest was that girl's phone number. Amen? There is a harvest, amen, of God's kingdom that we are after. And there's a skillfulness, amen, in dealing with God's word that gets us that harvest that we're after. Amen? You find that people who have committed themselves to God, people like Joseph, people like all people in the scriptures, they learned this skill. And I'm saying this because Joseph had no accountability. No one was watching him. So he took this thing very seriously. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So the place where God's kingdom is meant to flourish is where? In the heart. I'm hammering all these things because... Let me start off with what I said in an open book. I think that would help. You see, when God is speaking to us, amen, what we call God's word, amen, which now we're seeing here that God's word is the word of his, of his kingdom, amen, God is not... Uh, just communicating the way we communicate. You know, when human beings communicate, I release sound waves from my mouth, you know, you know, synthesized with my vocal cords. They hit your eardrums, right? And your brain processes them and I've communicated, right? You add in a little bit of extra, you know, um, body language, right? A little bit of intonation as well. And then what I'm saying can then be morphed. You know, you're able to now discern what I'm saying given that extra context, right? Hallelujah. When God speaks, amen, God does similar things. Because when you're speaking to someone, I'm speaking with, see my hands, that gesture right there? That's saying something, right? My facial expression, that's saying something else too, right? My tone, the tone in my voice, that's saying something, amen? If I'm speaking like this and I'm louder, that's extra loud as might be saying, hurry up, right? You need to listen to this now. Without me explicitly saying that. If I'm doing like this, it's like, you should know what you should do almost. Even that by itself is communicating, right? That's me speaking on multiple channels. I'm, I'm speaking on channels that you can perceive with your ears. Some you can perceive even with your emotions. Some you can perceive with your eyes. Amen? God speaks in similar ways, but across even more frequencies, across even more channels. Amen? So to hear what God is saying, we need to see what he is saying that is scattered across all of these channels and when you gather them together, we will understand what he's saying. Does that make sense? Just because I got one thing from what he said doesn't mean I've got the message. So, for example, let's say I'm shouting, help, somebody help. Amen. Depending on where you're facing when I shout that, amen, the first thing that comes to your mind is to begin to point yourself towards the direction of whoever is speaking. Because only one of your channels got captured during that initial cry, right? So, you're like, help, someone help. You turn. I face him. And I look at him. If he's burning with fire, that sends me, the, I already know what kind of help he needs, right? If someone is attacking them, like here, a lady is, maybe she's getting robbed. Help, somebody help me. I turn to see who. That first message, all right, is not enough to communicate what the issue is, right? But by turning, I can get more information. Then I get closer to get even more information. Over time, I'm able to discern exactly what needs to be done. And after dealing with the situation, she can now spell out everything. Who gets what I'm saying? 
This is the same way we relate with God. Does that make sense? You might get what God is saying on one channel, but that is where you've gone the whole gist of the conversation, right? We now need to sieve everything else. And then what now happens? As we draw nearer, we get the volume. Hallelujah. The thing that helps with all of this is understanding something about spirits. Amen? When spirits talk, hallelujah, they don't just speak. You know, there's a way I can be speaking now. And what I'm saying, I'm not in agreement with. Does that make sense? I might just be saying something like spitting these words at your mouth, out of my mouth, amen, at y'all, amen? But spirits, they don't function that way. You know, when Satan speaks, he doesn't speak passively. When angels of God speak, they don't speak what? Passively. The language for capturing how spirits communicate, amen, is in that word, spirits. You know, when someone um, takes alcohol, that's, what's, that's what that word spirits means, right? Spirits are known for doing a few things to people. What, what are those? They distort their perspectives, right? They tamper with their judgment. Um, they give them emotions, right? They influence, basically. Amen? So a spirit is a what? Influencer. Amen? Now, Spirits, they project these influences, amen, not the way we think that they do. We, we think that spirits, they, they project things intentionally. That's not actually what's happening. When a spirit sees you and wants to fellowship with you, as it draws near to you, amen, and your senses become more aware, its desire is to share its thoughts with you. Because that's what talking is, Right? I'm letting you know how I feel. I'm, letting, I'm communicating something to you, right? I'm ministering something for myself to you. Their goal is to let you be in fellowship with them. The purpose of that fellowship is for you to get exactly what is bothering them. Does that make sense? I've explained this before that there's a specific ant. When he wants to communicate, it doesn't communicate by visual, visual signals or by visual cues. It literally opens up the mouth of the person it's talking to and it vomits into their mouth. Does that make sense? It literally, when I want to tell you something, I know the sequence of chemicals, amen, that spells out what I want to let you know. So what the animal does is that this creature, this bug, it gets all those chemicals together, mixes them together, and it does what? Spits them inside of your mouth, inside, inside of your ears. Now, you now have chemical receptors that's able to spell out what I'm saying, and by through that, I'm able to understand, okay, this is what he's saying. Then what do I also do? If I want to respond to what you're saying, I also arrange chemicals together and do what? Spits inside of your mouth. That is the best way to describe how spirits talk. What they're already chewing, they want you to chew it too. Does that make sense? What they're already thinking about, they want you to think the same way. Their goal is not for you to just uh, be informed. Not one channel of information. They want you to get the full context, the full download. Does that make sense? And spirits are this way. They are possessive. They are, you know, when someone, say that someone is possessed by a spirit, the reason why that happens is because spirits are themselves possessed. That thing, that, that thing that's driving them, when someone is possessed, is because that thing driving them is now also driving someone. Does that make sense? A good example of this is trying to cast out lying from a lying spirit. Can it happen? Can you convince the spirit of of a the spirit of adultery now i don't think adultery is very wise you need to stop is that are you going to get anywhere with that 
Or maybe the spirit of, of offense. Maybe you're able to have a prophetic conversation now with an offensive spirit. And the guy looks very compassionate. Doesn't matter how he looks. If you're talking to him, and he might even be counseling him and giving some good points. He'd be like, wow, that is incredible. Maybe he gives you that layer of response to what you're saying. But what you're saying cannot penetrate his heart. You know why? That creature has been what? Hijacked by that state, by that thing, right? Does anyone get it? What does it say here? Spirits are persuaded, fully persuaded about something. Amen? Give me 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. This is the reason why the Bible tells us to test spirits. Because spirits, when they are communication with us, amen, they administer that, that thought process that they have. Now, that thought process might be a lie. But make no mistake, all of their being is in agreement with that lie. Does that make sense? The reason why Satan is the father of lies is because you can argue that Satan is not lying, as in going out of his way to lie. But every, you know, lying is a subjective statement, right? Basically, if the foundation of everything I'm going to say now is based on this pretext, today is April Fool's Day. Nothing I'm saying can be a lie. Does that make sense? Based on that, that foundational, will I say, con based on that um, uh, construct. Let's say we all agree now, today's April Fool's Day. Everything I now say from after saying that, I don't have to be lying. I'm not lying anymore, any longer. Can you, say, can you say I was lying after I said that? The answer is no, right? Or if I say, we're just joking. Everything I now tell you from that point onward is a lie. Now, that statement there is now what you now need to use to now discern everything I'm saying. Does that make sense? I'm just saying that to explain to you that Satan can be in agreement with everything that he's saying, yet he is lying. Does that make sense? Not be just because he likes lying per se. The, the, sorry? It's his nature, thank you. That is the, that is the, that is the construct. Everything he's about to say, it's not like about him trying to lie. He believes everything that he is saying. The Bible says that the tender mercies of Satan is what? Cruelty. If Satan wants to be kind to someone, amen, he is genuinely showing compassion. But what does it come out as? Evil, right? I like what some of the Lord showed me. It doesn't matter how hard Satan tries, he cannot do good to you. It doesn't matter how hard God tries, he cannot do evil to you. Is everyone listening? That is because of their, they are persuaded. That's right. Now, Satan's emotions can go left or right all, all they want to. That's not going to change how he actually executes things, right? Beloved, do not what? Believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirits of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So spirits, they do what? They confess. It is by their confession. You know, we also confess, right? If you believe in your heart and you what? Confess with your mouth. So that's a practice that's not unique to us. Because we're spirits also, right? The kind of spirits that we had before we gave our lives to Jesus Christ was a living soul spirit, right? The same spirit that Adam had before he fell. But ours is just a corrupted version. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became a 
quickening spirit, the same kind of spirit that God has. So right now you're a life-giving spirit. Amen? And same practice that spirits have, we also have as well. Spirits, they confess. Now, believing requires interaction with something, right? Because faith comes by hearing. That speaks of awareness. But awareness of what? God's word, right? So by exposing ourselves to what God is saying, we come into faith, we now make confessions. Does that make sense? Spirits do the same thing. Amen? Spirits have things that they are persuaded about, that they become aware of. Let me, let me give it a good example. Give me Revelations chapter 4. Revelations chapter 4. Let's start. Give me the next page. Next page. Next page. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go back. Go back one page. Go back one page. First from verse 6. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, this is speaking about the throne room, amen? And around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back, amen? This is a prophetic explanation of what of the, well, I say the structure, right? Of the four living creatures. Please understand, every time we see a spiritual vision or encounter, everything you see is related to that thing's architecture, inner workings, amen, or operations. In other words, when you see things that are wrong with the spirit, their true form is not important to us. Does that make sense? So for example, now, when I see this phone in the realm of the spirit, all right, this thing, its true form might be a mixture, might be soup. Let me give you a good example. You know, in Black Panther, I'm so sorry, I'm going to go into movies, okay? You know, in Black Panther, when they want to communicate with the ancestral plane, they drink this thing first, and they go to sleep, and they find themselves there. In the realm of the spirit, that juice that they drink can be a mobile phone. Does that make sense? Because what does it do? It lets you communicate. Does that make sense? Now, the form it takes, the actual physical form means nothing to you. In your mind, what are you looking for? Communication. A good example now is you see someone that is a seance. They can commune with people who are dead. If you want to speak with your uncle or your auntie, that seance can appear as a mobile phone. Because they can be what? They can help you. What telephone means what? To speak far voice. You can hear people that are distant, right? Does that make sense? There's some people that, for example, now you see them. Maybe they have a lot of money and they like giving money. When they come around, what, there's a way you respond to them. Because they have money and they can give it to you easily. What, what, do, you, what do you see them as? An ATM machine. Does that make sense? Or alert. Who <laughs> gets what I'm saying? You know, there's, uh, there's this term... Um, 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 destiny helpers, amen? We have to be very careful with that. Whereas you see someone as a destiny helper and then you now see people and you manipulate them so they can help your destiny and, and stuff like that because you, you know, we apply this thing all the time. A good example of this now is, let's say you're fasting. Like in the cave now, we have these Daniel camps, okay? And these children, they fast. Towards the end of the fast, amen, they know that food is coming. Now, Let's say now they know that the food is coming because um, Joshua is the one that's in charge of the food. And he's going, when he comes downstairs, food is ready. When someone sees Joshua, they can just say food. Is Joshua's name food? But his coming signifies what? Food is ready. So in the realm of the spirit now, Joshua's coming can be seen as a bowl of soup or a bowl of everybody. Does, does that make sense? So can, you, can we go back real quick?
Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne, around the throne, were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. This is letting you know that these creatures, amen, are very observant, right? They are so observant. They don't have two eyes the way we do, amen? It's a picture of your human skin. How many of you know that your human skin is a, kind of, is a, is a sensory organ? How many of you know that? Your human skin is a sensory organ. You feel things, right? So you can easily say that your human skin is like a giant eye, but it's not seeing light. It's seeing touch, right? Heat, okay? So imagine now these guys, there's a specific, amen, thing they want to be sensitive to. For that reason, you see that their entire body is covered with what? Eyes. For the sole purpose of observation. You see this, for example, now you go, you're in, a, you know, this place where they keep like the Smithsonian diamonds, these very expensive jewels, amen? You see in that area where those things are kept, there's eyes everywhere, right? Lasers everywhere. But those lasers are what? They're motion detecting, right? Those are like eyes everywhere. For what purpose? They need to know what is happening in that room. Anything unusual that happens there, they need to know. Sorry? Or it gets sliced up, like in some of these uh, movies, like I think Resident Evil back in the day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. For what purpose? Investigation. So you'd see safety is actually what is happening there, right? To keep things safe. But it manifests as what? Eyes everywhere. Does that make sense? So you see these creatures. They are investigating God thoroughly in front and in the back. Meaning that they don't want to miss out on anything. Okay. First, like a lion, then a calf, and a man, creating a flying eagle. The four creatures having six wings were full of eyes around and within. So the Bible goes on to explain. They're already full of eyes in front and in the back. But then also on their wings also were what? Eyes. The Bible says they do not rest day or night. Next page. Day or night saying, holy, holy Holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So you're seeing these creatures, okay? They are observing God's holiness as something that is consistent. His awesomeness is never ending. The Bible says they rest not what? Day or night, okay? And their decree is that God was holy. God is holy. And as far as we can tell... More holiness is what? Is coming. Can you see that? This is their witness. Can everyone see that? This is actually how spirits are. This is the confession of the four living creatures. That's what? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is. This is their confession. Is everyone listening? Their confession is that what? God is amazing, right? God is a God of might. The truth is that the confession of every spirit lets you know what kind of spirit it is. That's the truth. Does that, does that make sense? These creatures, because they bear witness to God's might, amen, God's everlasting might, the almightiness of God. That word almighty is the Hebrew word El Shaddai, amen? And literally, this lets you know that these creatures are very essential in a process I'm going to explain right now. That word almighty, El Shaddai, means the destroyer of wickedness. The word almighty, I know El Shaddai has been said to be what? Multi-breasted one, right? God that comforts you. Amen? But that's gotten 
If you study the Hebrew very carefully, El Shaddai means the destroyer of wickedness. Paul Key Davis says it like this. God is the God of utter ruin and terror. As an utter ruin, he would destroy everything that gets in the way of you and your communion with him. That's the name El Shaddai. That's how God introduced himself to Abraham. He said, I am the Lord God, El Shaddai. Hallelujah. God said, walk that before me and be blameless, be perfect. Why was God saying that? I am the destroyer of wickedness. Walk in front of me and I will what? Destroy wickedness. When I have destroyed wickedness, you will be what? Perfected. So for these creatures to be observant of this God Almighty, of El Shaddai, that lets you know that they are also what? They are also perfect, yes? But then they are wickedness destroyers also. Is everyone listening? Their confession, God is almighty. What that, what, it's not that they are wickedness destroyers by themselves. Mm -mm. That's witness of God's destruction of wickedness. They have the record of it and they can play it for you to see. Does that make sense? They have borne witness of this and here is their confession that Lord God is what? Mighty. Does that make sense? That is what Satan did to Eve, right? What was his witness to Eve? That God is a liar. Because of that, he helped her to what? Doubt God. Does that make sense? They bore, they bore weakness that God has destroyed so many kings. Like God has defeated so many evils. So they are not, they are, they've conformed to it. So they're not playing it as, as reality. As reality. Spirits are influencers. So now when you meet them, when you meet a living creature, he wants to show you that God is mighty. Does that make sense? He wants to show you the might of God. And by almighty, he's talking about God's ability to destroy wickedness. Give me Revelations chapter 6 so we can see that at play. Amen? Revelations chapter 6. Bible says, when I, I saw the Lamb of God open one of the seven seals. So Jesus Christ is about to do something. He's about to open one of the seven seals. And then what now happens? I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and what? See. Now, as soon as the creature says, come and see, he wants to show to John a measure of God's almightiness or God's ability to what? Destroy what? Wickedness. So look at what happens. I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. As the other living creatures bring forth their own witness because they had different witnesses, right? The one of the lion, the one of the calf, the one of the man, the one of the flying eagle. As they all brought forth their witness, you will see different forms of destruction of wickedness. Is everyone listening? This is their confession. Now, what's, what these creatures, when they say come and see, it's not come and see, it's come and see over there. They want to show you their thought process. They want to commune with you. They want you to eat what they are eating. Does that make sense? They are full of eyes within and without. They have the record of God's almightiness, how holy God is. Let me show you how holy God is. So as the book is being unsealed, they put the VHS tape in. They put the flash drive in. They double click on the video. They click on the, on the link. And what now happens? You now begin to see the might of God. Is everyone listening? This is how spirits are. They are possessed by what they are seeing. 
once they bear witness to, they are possessed. Also, the Bible says they rest not day and night. So you're going to see the living creatures all throughout the book of Revelations accomplishing different operations. But yet, that's those eyes, they serve a purpose of always investigating God's holiness. So they can be looking like this, but that tether is, remains connected. Does that make sense? That witness is never at rest. Bible says they rest not day or night. Hallelujah. These are spirits, beloved. The Bible, when describing their fortitude, describes them as made of metal, precious stones. Amen? This is describing their fortitude. Amen? How the resilience, the commitment that they have to that, do I say testament or testimony that they possess, that they've given themselves to. So you see an angel appearing made of gold. It's letting you know that this angel, sorry? How pure, how pure, how valuable, but also how long lasts. If you check gold, lasts very long, right? You see somebody made of crystal, precious stones. Crystal, diamond, beryl. All of these stones speak of fortitude. That is, this is not a, let me check. Ah, God is holy. I'll check, I'll come back later. I'll come and check again later on. No, 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 no. This is what? Sorry? Fully, exactly. Conviction. Those convictions, they manifest as what? Precious stones. Hallelujah. Why am I saying all of these things? Amen. Because I'm speaking about spirits here. When a spirit brings forth its confession to you. Can I say something? Whenever, whenever God communicates, amen, God is giving expression to that thing that possesses him. Does that make sense? This is what I spoke about during open book. Whenever God speaks, God wants to communicate what is inside of his heart. Now, in an effort to do that, amen, all of God's faculties, amen, of self-awareness. How many of you know God has self-awareness faculties? Amen. God is aware, amen, of who he is, right? God is aware of who we are. To show you the, the vastness, amen, of God's self-awareness, I would always say things like this, that God is capable of communing with every single creature that has existed, will exist, and does exist at the same time right now. Showing you how much room that God has for communion and fellowship. A good, you know, a good way to explain this is, if y'all can understand this, because we're into computer stuff. You know, when you have, uh, when the first iPhone came out, the first iPhone was a single core, I think 128 megabyte RAM, um, ARM-driven uh, machine. It, it was able to process, basically, I don't think it even had multi-threading at that time. It was basically like one task um, per TikTok. So, um, not TikTok, the social media network, the talking of the processor, <laughs> amen? So basically, the, the processor, the CPU in the phone could only process one task for every cycle. Now, it had 400 and something megahertz. That was a, that was a clock speed of that, of that CPU. So 400 million operations per, per, per second. Pretty decent. At that point in time, it was impressive, okay? After a while, about the time of the iPhone 5S, Apple introduced 64-bit operations, okay? And what that afforded was a greater volume of instructions could be given to that CPU. So yes, it can only operate one 
um, process at the time, but now the kind of cycles are even more vast, right? After a while, they added a second processor. It became a dual-core processor. Okay? After a while, we now introduce multi-threading. Multi-threading means in one cycle, you can have multiple threads. It's like I'm doing one operation, but I have multiple threads. I can do two threads at the same time. After a while, you now have uh, what they call big little processors, where you can have performance processors and then efficiency processors. Because these are mobile devices, efficiency processors, they, are very, they, they barely touch your battery while they're working. So they, they're concerned with things like you know, um, um, assigning um, system operations, so things like a phone call is coming in and stuff like that. Those you don't need the performance ones for. All these light operations, like when you're moving your moving your your moving, put your finger on on your phone and you touch it and you scroll. All those things are handled by the GPU in accordance with the efficiency processors. But then the performance ones are when you're playing a video game, or you're doing something that's very tasking. Then you bring the performance ones. Those ones can get the job done more efficiently. Does that make sense? Because they have more performance power. Okay. Now what now happens is that because of this distribution of processes among all of these CPUs your phone can now handle multiple things at the same time. So you can be on the phone while you're on Instagram, while you're sharing hotspots, while you're receiving an email, while you're doing this and then that. and da, 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 da. The fruits of that is that what? At one point in time, you can be having a lot of dialogue. Does that make sense? All because of this inbuilt hardware, right? For simultaneous interaction with many different processes, many different cycles, all at the same time. The more of this hardware is installed, the more you're able to deal with, yes, more capacity for more interaction. Is everyone listening? Now, when God, amen, give me Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 11. When God, amen, when I'm speaking about God's, the vastness of the inwards of God and his, uh, his, his um, intentions whenever he's communicating, when he's projecting his thoughts, amen? It is very important that we understand the kind of being that we're talking about, context-wise. And I'm saying this because when God is doing anything, including all of those interactions I spoke of, Everything that God is doing at the same time is informed by what drives him. Does that make sense? So God doesn't do anything that does, is not coming from that source that, that drives God. Does that, does that make sense? So there's this thing that God wants done. Again, just like Satan, no matter, how, matter what Satan is doing, death is around somewhere. Does that make sense? No matter how, how convincing the lie is, there is something somewhere because of, like you said, the nature, right? Because of the way he is constructed, that cannot be true. Why? Everything that spirit is doing, amen, is informed by that construct. Is everyone listening? And he cannot deny that thing. It's like a filter. You know when you have Instagram? You know Instagram filters back in the day? It doesn't matter the phone you have. It doesn't matter how nice your phone is. When you finish with your new camera and everything, they'll take that boring, stupid brown filter. Who's ever seen old school Instagram filters? They just mess up your pictures. Pour that rubbish. All your editing. Pour, pour brown. Just pour coffee on top of your, on your picture. You just see this brown glaze. Everyone I got Instagram when it first came out in like 2012, 13. I got Instagram in 2010. Check all my Instagram videos, pictures from 2010 back. You see brown. 
brown, brown. And that time it looked cool. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what phone you had. If you like have the latest iPhone, the latest Samsung Galaxy, if you like take with a DSLR, once you put that filter on it, they will what? Color it brown. Hallelujah. The same thing with, <laughs> with Satan. No matter how convincing. So you're going to see that God's agenda, amen, is what? Is always present. When he says, I love you, that agenda is the one that is speaking. Does that make sense? When God wants to give you a hug, when God gives you money, when God is doing anything, that thing that drives him is giving you money. Does that make sense? So there's no, there's no God just doing it because he's just a nice guy. No, no, no. Something is instructing. Does that make sense? Bible says here, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. In him we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him. Being predestined according to the purpose of him. Who does what? Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Let's back up a few verses and we can see some context here, okay? Let's start from verse 7. These are things that you use for engagement. This is why prayer time for believers should not be boring. Because there are some absolutes of God. That those, even if your prayer time, you're not having a flow per se. You can spend your prayer time indulging in these absolutes of God. Does that make sense? So in God, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, According to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us, in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Are you seeing the picture here of a lot of contemplation? Something really pleased God, right? And God purposed to do that thing. It was very pleasing to God. Now, everything that God is now doing, amen, in all, from that place of wanting to do that thing, all wisdom and prudence springs forth. As in, prudence meaning meticulous. God was not careless. God contemplated, brooded over these things, amen, and he has parameters. He has specifics. It's not the one of, ah, I like to do this thing, yo. No, no, God planned it out. He's done the blueprints. He's, he's sketched out everything. He has gone ahead, he knows how much the tax is. He knows how much all those hidden... You know when, you're, when you want to go on the project? You have all these hidden fees. God has done the research. He knows the hidden fees. He knows all of the gray text. He knows all of the people he used to consult and talk to. He has gotten all of their phone numbers. God has everything down. Does that make sense? This is not a half, a half thought up project. No, no, no. God's entire being is committed to this. What we call the will of God. This is what drives God. It drives the way God thinks. It drives the way God speaks. Drives everything that he is doing. If we understand this, we should begin to ask some questions. What exactly is this thing that is driving God, right? What exactly is this thing that is driving God? Hmm. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I don't have the, what is the word now? We're not in that place where I can say something. You know, when you're saying some things, there's a place you can, where you can say something and the context is just not there yet. There's a buildup that's necessary to 
say some things, if that makes sense. I feel like the, the build-up hasn't, hasn't hit yet, hasn't struck yet. Hallelujah. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My goal um, is to show... Papa spoke about swearing oaths. Amen? And this was during Melchizedek's class where we're talking about things that hinder, amen, hinder the progress of the life of God, our organic expression of life. You know, when Jesus Christ was about to die, he said something, right? With great desire, I have desire to eat this meal with you. If Jesus is saying with great desire, what do we think that means? You know, there's people that when you see someone that lifts weight for, weight for a living, you know, there's people that they um, they're fashion models. That's their fitness models. That is, they do lift up weights and stuff, but they don't lift up weights for strength. They lift them up so they can look nice, right? So you see that they don't, there's body parts that they focus on. There's body parts they don't care about too much. But there's people that they are bodybuilders, right? They go for they go for for building their body. And there's people that they do world's strongest man. If you're doing world's strongest man, you're not doing lifting weights because you want to look nice or because you want to and win a bodybuilding competition. It is because they are going to give you, uh -huh, they are going to give you something heavy to carry, right? And you must carry that thing, no matter whether you look like a pig or a donkey. If you carry it, you win the competition. It's about just pure output. Now, if someone, all of the training, okay, for this bodybuilding, and now tells you that, ah, that last one was heavy, oh. That last one was really heavy. <laughs> do you think it is heavy? Let me ask you. Who, do you th who here thinks that that thing, is, that thing he's saying is true? Now, he's saying that it's heavy, right? If something is heavy for him, has gone through the process of training, what, how do you think anyone else in the world would be responding? Who's ever seen World's Strongest Man where they have them carry trucks? They'll be of how many tons? And you'll be seeing them dragging it. You must drag it one, one, one meter. And you see them chugging. Some of them will carry <laughs> a, a tire that is a, the weight of a car. And they must flip it several. Uh -huh. Some of them they pull airplanes. Now, when that guy says, Kai, it is heavy. Those words he just said now, they, they have a lot more weight than when I say it is heavy. I can say, Kai, that thing is heavy. When that guy says it's heavy, wait a second. What are you talking about? What is heavy, sir? That thing must be incredible. It must be weighty. So when Jesus says what? With great desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you. He's not talking about, I, I love Passover. That's not what he's saying. I love the Jewish culture. That's not what he's saying. I love hanging out with you guys. That is not what he's saying. I like when Jesus Christ was in front of Pilate, completely naked, with what? Body parts missing bruised and cut to shreds. Pilate was trying to convince him that please tell me what I can, I can do to help you. Let us reason this thing out. Amen? This is about the time when they had the dialogue about um, are you a king? And da, 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 da. Jesus Christ said something. For this purpose was I born to bear witness to the truth. Hallelujah. Please give me that scripture back again. 
Yes, First Corinthians chapter 2. Next page. This is when Paul speaks about the wisdom that we read about, amen, in um, Ephesians chapter 1, in all wisdom and prudence, amen? I'm going to start from verse 9. Um, well, let no, um, yes. But as it is written, eye has not seen, next page, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit of God does something. What does the spirit of God do? Searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. You see, the Bible explains that angels desire to look into these things. Amen? So angels, they have their wings, they have their eyes, according to 1 Peter chapter 1. Amen? They're very investigating. Amen? But there's things that they don't have access to. Is everyone listening? Now, the spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Has unrestrained access to what? The deep things of God. And how does he respond to that? The Bible says that he does what? He searches. He examines. Who knows what I'm saying here? For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? You know, the reason I've said before that the spirit of a man is the man's life force. In other words, all of the installations in that man's soul, they are all projected from that person's spirit to man. Is everyone listening? When you're born, you've been bombarded by, I've said it before, right? Information from all over the place, amen? And over time, your soul develops some kind of pattern recognition, amen? Some wisdom pattern recognition and begins to identify what is real and what is not real, what is important and what's not important. And it begins to layer itself, you know, four levels of awareness begin to rest upon the soul. Over time, levels of consciousness come in as well. And then you have your consciousness, your subconsciousness, and then your unconsciousness. And with all of this, your mind is now being fleshed out. And this ability to see what is real and what is not develops. Amen? Now, all of those things, amen, they are all springing up from your life force. Springing up from, from your spirit man. So because of that, your spirit man dictates what exactly should be in your soul. Does that make sense? That's what should happen. I explained before, I think during Daniel Camp that, what happened is that over, after a period of time, your soul learns how to learn also. How to experience, how to change from the spirit man also. And once that's done, the spirit man's life force, it's still there, but the soul doesn't need it any longer. It can function without it. This is why when someone gives life to Christ, they might have the life force of God inside of them, but their soul might be unwilling to learn new things because how the soul learns, amen, has already been given to it by the old spirit. And that manner of learning given to it by the old spirit is incompatible with the learning of the spirits of God, right? We're going to see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when the Bible says the natural man cannot receive the things of God. God has revealed them to, to us through his spirit. Yes, spirit searches all things. He has the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man? Except for the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except what? The spirit of God. Next page. Now we have received not the spirits of this world, but the spirits which is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. What is the Bible saying here? The very life force in God is inside of us, right? Okay. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing 
spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirits of God, for they are foolishness to him. I explained this before, right, earlier on when I explained that. That is how we now, the way of learning. Amen? The way of learning dictates the kind of person that you are. If you've learned how to learn God's way, you are no longer a natural man. What are you? A spiritual man. If you've learned how to learn by the life force of death, what are you? A natural man, a carnal man, right? Because that thing now dictates okay, to you the kind of life you'll be living. Because no matter, at no point in time do you actually really stop learning. That's the truth. But the things of God cannot be known because they are spiritually discerned. Hmm. But he, next page. But he who is spiritual judges all things. So you're seeing here, the person that has learned how to learn things the way God teaches things, what? Can what? Discern everything. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I could explain the one about rightly be judged by no one later on. Amen. But I want to hammer something. Amen. Go back to the previous page. When it says here that they are spiritually discerned. For the things of the spirits to the natural man, they are carnal. They must be spiritually discerned. The things of God must be spiritually discerned. The things of God must be spiritually discerned. The things of God must be spiritually discerned. This is so critical. This is so, the things of God must be spiritually discerned. You know, It is possible for God to now give expression to all of this desire. For the spirits of God to release the voice of God. How many know the spirits of God is, is the one through which God, the spirits of God is like the air through which the sound waves of God's voice travel. Amen. The Bible says that the spirit of God was brooding. Amen. The spirit of God is also the rock, the wind of God. Amen. And then God spoke, right? So without the presence of the spirits of God, God's voice cannot be heard. Amen. So the spirits of God carries that consciousness of God, right? Carries the deep things of God, right? Carries what? The inner dialogue that God, all those musings, all of that fellowship. Amen. Bible says he works all things according to the counsel of his own will. The spirits of God is carrying what? That dialogue, that conversation, those interactions. The spirit of God is carrying what? That will of God. It is now in that context that God's word can be heard. What I'm trying to say here is this, amen? When the Bible says that God's word is the word of the kingdom of God, it is because the kingdom of God is when that thing that is driving God is also driving you. Does that make sense? When God has been able to communicate with you, you enter his kingdom. When I say enter, I'm not talking about you getting boring. I'm talking about you experiencing God's life. Because, let's pay attention to this, okay? 
The New Testament narrative is what I'll put my laws in your heart. What kind of laws does God have? Is it that I shall not kill? Is that, is that, what, is that how God, is God saying to himself, I should not kill, I should not kill, I should not kill. That's not really what's happening, right? God's laws, amen, speak about, amen. A good way, his personality, yes. There's a way that God leans, right? That when you think about laws, think about the law of gravity. How does gravity work? There is a force pulling things into a specific way, right? Because of gravity, we have planets shaped like what? Spheres, right? We have stars. We have layers, like we have layers of the atmosphere. We have the stratosphere. All these things exist because of gravity, right? In other words, these laws, they dictate almost like a constitution. They dictate how things should look or how things should function. Is everyone listening? They dictate an order. So when God is saying, I will put my laws into your heart, what is he saying? My life inside of you, right? So that what? The way I think, the way I see things, that counsel of his will that is driving everything I'm doing would what? Will govern me exactly. So you see me, I won't have room to do anything that is not in line with the will of God. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Someone see the picture here? Where you would see me, I'm also doing all things according to the what? To the counsel of his will. It's not because I'm trying to do God's will. It is because now, my framework now, I can't not do the will of God. Does that make sense? Just the way God cannot do anything that's not in his will. That is when God has communicated with me. That's how God fell. That's what fellowship means. Who gets on a picture of what I'm saying here? That's what God wants. That's what John spoke of in 1 John chapter 1. Give me 1 John chapter 1. Is that one in picture? That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we what? We bear witness. Just like the, tw the four living creatures, they do what? They bear witness. We now have that same confession. Okay. And now we do what? We declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was what? Mm -hmm. that key, that's very critical, okay? That which we have seen and heard, we do what? We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. You can see what the fellowship is, right? That shared what? That shared, thank you, that shared government of God. Ecclesi beautiful. That cluster, right? The musings of God. Now God is living things out or doing things according to the counsel of his will. And since we're in fellowship with him, we are also what? Doing things. That's right. In the same way that he's doing things. So there's now no miscommunication. We understand what we are saying. In fact, the way things ought to be is by impulses. There's a verse in the Bible, book of Jeremiah. I think it says, it goes like this. Who has stood? In the counsel of the... Let me open that verse of scripture. It's a powerful verse. Amen. Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? What's it down for Melchizedek School? Oh, come on. Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? What did I write this down? Come on, come on, come on. Balaam's heart. No, not Balaam's heart. Causing God's people to hear his voice. Give me Jeremiah 23. 
Um, 50 yard prayer stretch, discern the burden of the Lord. Who has stood in the council of the Jeremiah 23, 18. Jeremiah 23, verse 18. How come I'm not finding this verse? 23, verse 18. Deep things of God. Yes. Um, Let me make sure. There's another verse also that I want to make sure that um, the context I was looking for is not missing here too. Okay, so it's right there, 2318. (laughs) What's up with me, man? How did I miss that? If they had, if they were a prophet, let them make intercession. If they were a prophet, let them make, from verse, yes, 18 is good. Yes, 18. Okay, cool. Who has stood in the council of the Lord? And has what? Perceived. And what? Heard his word. Now, when we see the word of God, we're not talking about a message. Has anyone seen the picture here? We're talking about words. Amen? We're talking about the projection of the thoughts of God. The projection of the emotions of God, the desires of God. It's just like, for example, you hear God saying, help! What is the response to that? You now have to what? Turn. Then upon turning, more context is given, right? There is now room for our life. Because you're now turned that way, visual cues are being given, and there's even more clarity what they're saying. Attention, beautiful attention. Thank you. Because of attention, more of your faculties are now in tune with what they're saying, right? That's what spirits do. When spirits first approach us, they give us promptings, right? They begin to... Hurl these projections at us in desire for fellowship. Let me show you what, I, what I've seen. Let me let you know what's happened. Here is my confession. Amen? Now, what now happens that when God brings forth the te- what's called the testimony of God, when God brings that's what the gospel is, the testimony of God, what God has borne witness to, which is that thing that drives him, when he brings forth that thing towards you, amen, what should now happen is that upon the first landing, amen, the first message is like reception. The first time you get that that, that airplane lands, that first airplane lands on your runway. What should now happen? Upon investigating that first airplane that lands, contents, where it's from, the message that's in there, attention is now drawn, right? What is the, what, what attention being drawn now means what? More runways are open, right? More channels are now being tuned to that place where that thing first came from. Just like the eyes of the cherubim. One eye perceives something immediately. All the other eyes, they now what? They are now reoriented to now fi- fix on this one facet of God that holiness is erupting from. Who gets what I'm saying? Upon that fixation, that attention being paid, that attention being given, what now happens? More of the context of that conversation now being given. And now it's not just the words that God said. There's now what? His verbal language, right? His tone, his facial expressions, his emotions, his heartbeats, the burdens of his heart. Is anyone listening? The musings of his, of his, of his, uh, of his thoughts, his emotions, his intellect, the passion, the muchness. I discovered that what is called might, gibor. It actually means muchness, excellence. The muchness with which, when Jesus Christ said, with great desire I have desired, there was a muchness with his desire that is beyond what can be fathomed. It was so strong. Jesus Christ spoke about the sorrow that he felt. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Let us go and pray. That's prayer that he prayed in that God gets 70. The Bible said when he was praying, the eyelids of his disciples were so heavy they could not pray with him. You know what that meant? 
the burden he was carrying emotionally. It was so weighty. It was physical, not just by him, on other people. Who see the picture here of the kind of thing? There's a language in the scripture for this thing called here, standing in the counsel of the Lord, perceiving and then what? Hearkening or hearing his word, who has marked his word and heard it. You know, when you read something like this, you might miss. I like something that a man of God said. I was listening to a teaching yesterday by, uh, what is now by someone. And he said something. That when Jesus Christ was talking to his disciples, he told them, he didn't say, um, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them. What did he tell them? I have many things to say to you, but you cannot what? Bear them. These words, there is a lot of weight with them. You don't, you don't have capacity. You don't have processing capacity yet. Does that, does that make sense? There has to be room for what? For bearing the weight of these words. Last meeting, last week, well, like the example I gave, said them, like the Iron Man movie, the man had an idea, he has conceived it, and but at that time there was no capacity. What the tech, yes, could not handle it. Yes. But when the comforter comes, then we can build the armor. Then we can create that new element. Hallelujah. There is, please understand something. To be able to house. Because what are words? Words are what? Projected emotions, right? Projected thoughts. Projected heart palpitations. Projected musings. So God is looking at you and he's telling you, the thing I want to give you is spiritually discerned. You have no idea. You need to make room for what I want to... Who cares what I'm saying here? For what I want to give you here, you need capacity. This thing is able to drive me, almighty God. As in, who gets what I'm saying? You know, God and evil spirit are not the same. God and one small demon are not the same. You know, in, when it comes to spiritual things, I remember when God was telling me about the Holy Ghost. That holiness, when it is used, when it's used to describe God, is on the third trifecta. You know, there is holy, God is holy. There is holy, holy, amen, which is God is holy. Then there is holy, holy, holy. There you go. God's preparing himself. <laughs> Amen. That's what happens in the throne room. What happens? The Bible says that it's seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6. The seraphim, upon crying out in response to God's holiness, the door frames of the temple shaking. In that prophetic encounter, the, the, the cry of the seraphim is so violent. What is it doing? It is what? Causing a resonance throughout that realm. So the entire realm... Resonates with what? Holy, holy, holy. Beautiful. That is actually, that is a cadence. The sound of the air conditioner, the sound of the fan here. What drives that ecosystem is what? God's hope. Bible says the train of God's robe filled the temple. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. <laughs> There's an evil spirit, amen? That once possessed someone, hallelujah, and that evil spirit was cast out one day. When that evil spirit was cast out, he went back to the person that was cast out, right? And he said, uh-uh, this house is clean. Let me make my home here. But before he makes his home here, what does he go and do? He goes to find seven deadlier demons than he. And all of them will now come in and stay there. There's the gateway demon that brought seven of his friends. Amen? Seven friends are stronger than him, but he will let them rule over him as long as he gets to stay in that house. 
know the reason why? They will protect him from leaving from that Holy Ghost that came that time. <laughs> that angel of God that drove him away. Before that guy comes back again, let's make sure this guy cannot. Remember, remember what the Bible says? That uh, when the word of God is sown, birds will come and do what? Take the, uh-huh. So we'll make sure we double our surveillance to make sure that none of that God's teaching redemption rubbish comes anywhere near this guy again. Amen? What am I saying here? Whenever a spirit is communing with someone, amen, that spirit brings forth some kind of wine, right? There is a way that that spirit's um, dialogue can be very intoxicating. I know this because the spirit is possessed. If something can be possessed by something, it is possessive. That's the truth. So even the smallest evil spirits, go and cut yourself. Have you not seen crazy things on, the, on this planet right now? Someone will say, I'm a boy, I'm a girl, I'm a blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something, okay? If you give yourself to that spirit, you can't say, I will it never happen to me. If you, if, you, if you dialogue with that spirit, it will shock you what will happen to yourself. Because that thing will let you know it's not joking. You think I'm stupid. By the time it shows you, it shows you, you start coming up with reasons why you should doubt the Bible. It's not because you are the one that is coming up with reasons. What's happening? You're bearing witness to something, right? These things are influencers, wine, spirits. See, we're listening. It dis it's distorting your judgment, helping you see things in a different way. So because of that new architecture, is that me? My, I sending pictures of myself. <laughs> you're good, you're good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Guess what I'm saying? Now, the fact that there are seven deadlier demons means that what? There's higher levels of what? Intoxication. Now, how do you know that demons are small, amen, foot soldier pawn entities? When you go past demons, you get to entities called principalities. Amen? These are not for possessing people. Principalities, they don't possess you the way we think about it. Sorry? Rule over communities. Rule over communities, not the way we think about rule over communities. They rule over communities in their unconsciousness. The way these things function is that they don't tell you. You won't see someone foaming in the mouth. Like a child of God can be very at home with a dark prince. You know the reason why? By the wisdom they used to look at life. By the prayer points they are praying. Who knows what I'm saying? It doesn't, it's not evil. It won't look, when, when we say principality power, we think about one horrible seven-headed dragon. Amen? That when it's, when it's walking around, it's, it's defecating on the floor and it's vomiting blood everywhere. That's not what we're talking about. Though. When people think about good ideas, when people think about innovation and advancement, the thing that is defining what advancement means, when people have prayer points, the thing that is instructing your prayer points, that is the prince there. Is everyone listening? Why a child of God would be saying, I want to be, like you say, child of God, pray, God, I want to be the best in this arena. And it's not driven by what Holy Ghost said. It is what? Lust. It doesn't have to be lost as in, I must be the best. You know, there's a way you can be foaming in the mouth about these things and obnoxious. I'm not talking about that one. That one is, many times, that's an evil spirit, as in a demon. Princes don't deal like that. They are more sophisticated in their approach. Desire, yeah. And they are invisible. The key thing is that they are invisible. You don't see them. So the community is ongoing. It is active. But you're not able to perceive it. Who knows what I'm saying? That's the deadliest form of, of dominion. When someone is controlling you and you have no idea. Just, that, that is the word. Is everyone listening? 
These entities, the way they function, they are invisible. The Bible calls them, there's other there's different categories, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. What does darkness mean? You can't see anything. So when they are doing their work, unless you're using the light of the Holy Spirit, you cannot discern them. Like for example, now this seven mountains teaching, okay? That there's seven mountains, right? Religion, education, da 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 da. I've explained before that it's possible that parts of that might have come from God. It's possible. But I can assure you there was a distortion somewhere in the delivery of that thing. You know why? Because I've had examples of times when God would say something to me. I had a vision once from God. But then someone was trying to influence my, my, my thoughts and my words. Amen? And while trying to, give me, while trying to influence me, it, attacked, it jumped into my vision. And I now said, that, oh, this is what I saw because of that person's manipulation. But I had a faint witness on the inside that hm, this thing you're saying here is not completely true. A few days later or the next day, I had the same encounter, but this time without that person's influence. And I got the pure revelation of God. Does that make sense? That Seven Mountains thing, honestly speaking, I can assure you, everyone that is following that thing, if you have not been dealt with by God you are going to be building up Babylon. Who remembers what I talked about during the, um, the Watchmen Conference, about Aaron building um, that golden calf? When Aaron went to go and build the calf, he did not say to himself, I want to build an idol. What did he say? Tomorrow is a feast to Yahweh. He wanted to do something good for God. But there was what? Someone communi communicating with him. Hallelujah. Hope everyone understands. They instruct our prayer points. They dictate things. They are governing spirits. Notice how government and fellowship are not very far away. Hallelujah. So when God has in his mind the word of the kingdom, can you see fellowship? Can you see interaction? Can you see thoughts at play? When God is talking about the word of his kingdom, can you see when God's talking about the New Testament? Can you see government? Can you see control? What God is really after is that none of these entities will be driving any of our interactions, any of our pursuits, any of our wisdom, any of our motives. No, the deep things of God, there's the invisible parts of God. I don't even know that. When, God, when Moses wanted to, to commune with God, there's a part of God he could not see. So he kept on asking him, Show me your face. Show me your what was happening. He was hammering. He wanted to go to a specific. There was a specific threshold he had not crossed yet, and beyond that threshold, those that cross that threshold, they're able to bear witness to some things. He could not bear witness to those things, so he kept on asking, "Reveal yourself to me. These hidden parts here. Show it to me." Those hidden parts of God, Hallelujah. They are meant to take the place. That these principalities, these powers, these rulers of the darkness of this world, these spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, they have predominantly occupied, amen, in our belief systems. Hallelujah. So can we go back real quick um, to uh, Matthew 13 from verse 19? I hope everyone can see. When Papa spoke about swearing oaths, what possessed... Joseph, 
what possessed our ancestors. Our ancestors were skillful. The same gospel that was preached to them was preached to us. So. The same gospel that is preached to us was preached to them. But it was how they responded. Hallelujah. Can we talk to the Lord? want to respond we want the things that drive God to drive us we want to know the things in the heart of God the deep things of God we want fellowship we're going to stay on this path for a while because of the upcoming um, prayer stretch I feel like we, I really want this to drive the direction we're going and even the upcoming immersion as well. We want to be, we want to enjoy fellowship. We want to enjoy prayer. We want to enjoy the word. We want to enjoy communion because therein lies government. Skillfulness with God's word. Efficient interaction with God's word to bring about, to birth forth, to br that there'll be a bursting forth of government, a bursting forth of God's dominion in our lives. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. There is a skill that Joseph came into. There is a skill that Joseph came into. It drove him his entire life. He hadn't seen his dad since he was a young boy, since he was a young lad. When his dad met him, his dad blessed him. What he saw was that Joseph was faithful with God's word and he brought forth double what was given to him. Joseph became the firstborn of Israel's sons. He, he received the double portion. Not just by blessing, by, by faithfulness, by engagement, by trading, by interaction with the word of God. He brought forth double of the portion of every one of Jacob's sons. It says here, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have grieved him, shot at him, and hated him, but his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty. He shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies underneath blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father have prevailed over the blessings of my progenitors onto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separated by his brethren. From his brother, sorry. Joseph came into this by interaction. By God's word sown into his heart, he didn't just perceive just what God said. He went on to hear and see and behold. And after a while, what happened? All the channels of his soul 
were flooded with illumination. All of the channels of his soul were flooded with light. All of the channels of his soul were flooded with the thoughts of God. All of the channels of his soul were flooded with that which drives God. The one that works all things according to the counsel of his will. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You have a question? So when you um, took us to Jeremiah 23, 18. Jeremiah 23, 18. So in the LEB, the LEB version states it in a way that is LEB, Lexham, no, the Lexham Bible. <laughs> so it says, for who has stood in the counsel of Yahweh that he has seen and heard his word, who has listened attentively to his word and heard it. So we had come from reading First John 1, 1, and exactly the same word, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, we declare to you. Then we now go to verse 22 of this same place, because it talks about um, the prophets that went that, that he did not send. But in verse 22, he now says, but if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people and they would have caused them to turn from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. So earlier you were talking about how the might of God drives away wickedness, you know, and all of that. And we see the testament of the people that God sends as those that are able to drive out wickedness. And this is exactly what John said that they did. And in... In that 18, where he says, who has listened attentively to his word and heard it, as you were saying, I just pictured Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, where Martha was busy up and down, and, you know, Jesus said that she had chosen the, the one thing that was most important, which was listening and allowing the word to, to build width in, in her soul. Hallelujah. Can we pray for capacity? I want us to pray for capacity. Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Lord, we want to make room. That's what capacity is. God made you to commune with him. God framed you for dialogue, that you would think his thoughts, that you would hear his word. I would say the thoughts that I think towards you are thoughts of good, thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and I will answer you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. In God's mind, in God's heart, he saw our interaction with him as worth his sacrifice. Is that not what eternal life is? That they may know you, the one true God, that they may interact, that they may have friendship with you. Hallelujah. Lord, we want capacity. Lord, we want bearing capacity. We want to bear the weight of your words. Your words are weighty. Your words are heavy. Oh, how sweet they are, Lord God. Let us discover their appeal, even as Joseph did, the man that swore oaths to God. Hallelujah. I want to thank you all for joining us this evening. 
Vigil starts by 1 a.m. We're praying until 7.30. Hallelujah. Blessings, beloved. Hallelujah.